Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Matthew chapter 11. I want to start in verse 25. We read this verse of scripture a few times over the last couple of weeks, but this morning I just want to stay right here in this. I want to talk on the subject of unveiling the Father, okay? And I'm going to try my best to do it uh, somewhat some justice. So, Father, we just thank you for our time together, Lord. We thank you uh, for the opportunity to get into the Word, the living Word. And, Father, I pray this morning that you would illuminate our eyes, illuminate our ears, but mostly our eyes, that we may see you, Lord. Let us see you high and lifted up, as Isaiah said, and your train filling the temple. Father, remove every shadow in our hearts. Remove every lie that circulates in our system that causes anxiety and fear. And Father, let us know this morning that we are accepted. We are loved. We're cherished. And we are secure in you. We can live with that assurance that we are secure in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that? Or how many of you believe that your salvation is so frail you're going to lose it before you get out of the building? Hello. I was raised we could lose it. Yeah, it's already quite a bit, yeah. I said I was raised we could lose it before we even got to the house. We prayed every Sunday that we didn't know if the Lord was going to return before we got back into the building. That was how we closed it out. And I was raised that we had to, we had to earn a lot of things from the Lord. And Catherine was raised that she wasn't ever worried about her salvation because she was raised that her salvation was secure, that no man could strip her from the Father. Come on, y'all. I want to get into some things this morning. I just, I just pray, Father God, help me this morning to communicate your heart to us, Lord. Father, I got a bunch of notes, but it's not about notes. It's all about your spirit, Lord. Holy Spirit, so I trust you this morning. Holy Spirit, I trust you this morning that you're going to remove some smudges. You're going to remove some shadows from us right now. And Lord, we'll see you for who you truly are. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse... Um, 25. I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. If you come here, I'll read out of the Passion Translation mostly unless I have to preach from the Old Testament, then I'm going to grab the New King James. But I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Then Jesus ex- exclaimed, um, Father, thank you for your Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. And you have given the, ra- the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with these who humble themselves. Listen to this. Um, Father, thank you for your Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth, and you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, you have shared it with these who humble themselves. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart as you have chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. 
Look at this right here, man. This is so good. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. The fullness of the Father is entrusted to Jesus. Look at this. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father. And look at this statement right here. And no one intimately knows the Father except the Son. The King James says no one knows the Father except the Son. Think about this now. Look at who he is communicating to. Matthew's gospel is predominantly written to the Jews. That's why he starts his gospel with the shocking miracle of healing uh, a man with leprosy and touches him. That blowed their whole concept because they had to... They were, they were not able to touch a, a man with leprosy. They had to stand outside the city or stand up and yell unclean. They could not approach them. Uh, and, G, and, and the first miracle Matthew records is Jesus walking up, not only heal, I mean laying his hands and touching the man with leprosy. Come on now. In the old covenant, if you touched a man with leprosy, you became leprous. But under the new covenant of grace and mercy and power, when the kingdom of God touched the man with leprosy, leprosy left him. Come on, y'all. So he says, no one knows, no one knows the Father except the Son. But the Son, look at this, but the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. I'm going to read it one more time. All right. No one fully intimately knows the Son except the Father, and no one fully intimately knows the Father except the Son, but the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone He chooses. Now look at this in John chapter 17. I I'm, want to go here. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I'll start reading in verse 1. Look at this. This is what Jesus prayed as He looked up into heaven. Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son, so that I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Think about this, eternal life. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. I thought eternal life was when I died and went to heaven. Y'all ain't going to help nothing up in here this morning. I thought that eternal life is when I died and when I went to heaven. But what did Jesus say eternal life is? To know the Father. To know the Father is eternal life. So when does eternal life begin? When you become intimately with the Father. Knowing the Father. Look at this. That's the only true God. And to know and experience Jesus as Christ. So if eternal life is knowing the Father, eternal death is unknowing the Father. So if eternal life is knowing is the knowledge of the Father, then eternal death has to be no knowledge of the Father. See, all of us have an image of the Father right now in our mind. There's all kind of images of the Father in this room. Some see him as judge. Some see him as ruler. There's all kind of images of the Father in this room. Some start out when we're as, as a child. 
the images that we grow up with in the environment in which we raised and all of these things put all of these images of the Father in, inside of us. I was reading the story of this, uh, of this uh, young man who received, a, he, when he was a little boy, around four, I think he was around four or five years old, someone bought him a gift and they gave him a border collie. And they had this little border collie. You got uh, Buck and we got Bo and uh, Bo's a Cocker Spaniel. Jake's got um, Buck as a, as a bulldog. And so this little, he, he had such a relationship with this border collie, this little boy did. And um, we'll, we'll say his name is Jack, but he named the little dog Charlie. Charlie went everywhere with him. Charlie was, um, was every night when Jack went to bed, uh, Charlie laid down beside the bed and he would rub his head as he would go to sleep. And uh, Jack, uh, Charlie swam with him, did everything with him. When he was 12 years old, um, he woke up out of bed and Charlie was laying beside his bed dead. He died. And he had to go bury the dog. And as he buried the dog, his family was all gathered on the porch. And Jack was broken. He was weeping. He was crying. And no one out of his entire family, no one even acknowledged his loss of that dog. Of, of, of that He lost Charlie. And no one asked him how he felt about it or anything. So from that moment on, at 12 years old, something entered into his heart that he was not important. How many knows that if you take that and you keep watering that all throughout your life, that you're not important, you have no significance, that that's going to change and alter your view of the Father? Come on, y'all. I'm just trying to I'm just. I don't really have nothing flashy to preach, so I just got to tell you that right now. All I'm doing is trying to take you on a journey of the hallway that I'm trying to walk in my own life. That's all I got, okay? I don't have no flashy sermon series or anything like that, but I'm trying my best to do some justice on something. Because I have a lot of stuff from when I was a little boy that settled down in my heart the way I interact with my Heavenly Father that causes me not to trust Him sometimes, that causes me to live in fear and all of that. And I can tell you something, fear and delusion and all of those things and anxiety is a result that we are not living in the eternal life, that we are living in eternal death and not eternal life. But if we can ever get secure in Him to walk in divine trust, and no matter when we get the doctor's report that we don't understand yet, there still is a level of trust that we trust Him in everything. We begin to trust Him in our finances. We begin to trust Him in our marriage. We begin to trust Him in our children. And every aspect of life will develop a deep sense of trust. So to know the Father is eternal life. Eternal life is not what religion told us that one day when you die, if, you, if you've been forgiven of your sins, that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus. That is not eternal life. That is not the depths of what it means. What it means to walk in eternal life is to know the Father, the true reality of the Father. The true reality that Jesus came to the earth to unveil to us what he's saying that no one knows the Father except for me. Think about this to the Jewish people. They knew that Abraham was called the friend of God, yet he said Abraham did not even know him. Come on, somebody. He said that Noah, they knew that Noah had built an ark. They knew that Moses gave the law. They knew all of these things. They knew that David had Davidic worship, all of these things. But Jesus makes a startling statement, says no one knows the Father except for the Son. And no one knows the Son except for the Father. He's referring to a relationship of the Trinitarian life that existed since time began. You with me? So let's go in this a little further. 
without knowing the unconditional acceptance of the Father in Jesus, we are not able, we are not able um, to drop our defense mechanism. And as a consequence, we will not allow our souls to receive His love and, and walk in healing. Are you with me now? So many people live behind walls. You with me? We all masked up in Him. I said we all living like that. You with me? Because every one of us has been wounded at some point in our life. If you ain't, just live on the earth long enough. And if you ain't been hurt, I challenge you, join the church. It's only a matter of time. Because we specialize in that kind of business. There's more war go on here than in the bar. I can't get no help up in here. Listen to this. We tend to think that people, listen to this. Listen, this is fixing to shock you right here. And to the religious mind, you're going to get offended at this statement. Listen to this, we tend to think that people are separated from Jesus and then at some point, folks pray to receive Jesus into their lives. Like God, like God did not even exist in my life until I one day came to church and invited Jesus into my life. Let me tell you something, I don't believe that anymore. I did believe that for years. But let me tell you something, I never invited Him into my life. He invited me into His. Oh my God. He invited me into his circle, not me inviting him into ours. And see, the religion has told us this. I'm, I'm trying to do, if I don't do nothing but a couple of things today, is this view that God was so tired of our sin nature that he sent Jesus and beat him up on the cross to do away with his anger towards us. That is never what happened in the heart of God. That is never what happened in the heart of God. What happened in the heart of God that he was so broken that humanity had lost who he was. There was no vision of the Father on the earth until the Son came. And the Son came and picked up Adam's nature and put on Adam's glasses. Come on, somebody. And he did not come to show us the Father. He came to reveal us the Father through our own broken humanity, through our own eyes. All right, so, so our vision is, is that one day we come to church or however we do it, because we used to sing this song, there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Anybody ever raised up in that? There's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Your name was written in glory when you entered into the earth. There is nowhere in the Bible does it say when you got saved that God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. God destined you to be with him from the foundations of the earth, friend. He recorded you in his story before you ever arrived. You and, you and I, we were together in him, with him. Come on, somebody, before we ever entered into the earth. He had destiny for you, and you agreed to that destiny when you showed up in the earth. That's why he said, Jeremiah, before you entered into your mother's womb, I knew you. What happened to the knowing is when you got in the earth suit, and your parents jacked you up, religion jacked you up, church life jacked you up. Church life in the South has jacked more people up than any other thing that I know of. This is why we got people trying to earn their way to get to the Father. I rode by a sign the other day at one of our local churches, and it says kneeling, uh, uh, what does it say? Staying on your knees keeps you in right standing with God. That's an absolute lie. What keeps you in right standing with God is the fact that Jesus Christ hung, died, and bled on a cross and resurrected. That's what keeps you in right standing with God. Not how many times you pray. Not how much you read the Bible. Not how much you tithe. It is all about a love affair and His divine love for you. That is religious garbage. Man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I started to take my 
snatch rope and snatch that sign down because it is an absolute lie. That is what is preventing people from coming to the house of God. They don't want to come hang out with a bunch of religious people because they know they got issues in their life and they're medicating those issues with all kinds of stuff. I've never met one drug addict that says, you know what, I hope I'll be on drugs one day. Have you ever counseled someone? I hope to be sold out on meth by the time I'm 21. That's never no one's ambition. But what, what the problem is, is there's deep wounds in that life. And the only way they know how to medicate it is through substance, some substance like that. But the fathers never look down at anybody that's methed out, cracked out, or any other thing. Look down in disgust. Only thing he wants is to get invited into that brokenness to heal that wound. So it ain't that this picture of one day that I've been, I invite, Jesus, I invite you into my life. No, he's always been there. He's always been there. Man, I look back over my life. When I was a teenager, I did not know the Lord. But I've always had this deep sense to want to help people. What do you think that is? That's the call. God didn't just, he didn't save me February 2nd of 1998 and say, oh, I'm, we just saved this boy here. He's wild as a jackrabbit. You know what I'm saying? He's mean like to fight and just all kind of stuff. Yeah, he's rowdy. I think we'll make him a preacher. No, I believe that was when I was with a pacifier in a bassinet. I was called to preach the gospel. I just didn't realize it. So the father just didn't get involved in my life on February the 2nd of 1998. He's always been involved. Oh, my God. We, we, we did the House of Grace men in here Wednesday night. We baptized several of them. And I looked at one of them. He was crying the whole time. I never got in the tank. But I looked at him at this, and this is what I said. I know, that I know him. He's been through the program at least three or four times. But I looked at him, and I was sweeping, and I said, Thank you for not giving up. I said, Because the Father will never give up on you. That's good news. But see, what religion will tell you, because you don't measure up, and because you've been through the program three times because you can't never get it right because you fail, the, the, the time limit's going to run out. Come on now. Let's, let's look at some things right here. So we, we tend to think that people are separated from Jesus, and at some point folks pray and receive, see, receive Jesus into their lives. The truth is we don't, we don't make him a part of our world. He's made us a part of his. And he has included us in the, in the bounding life that he shares with his Father and his, and, and his anointing with the Spirit. And he has included us, in, he's included us, uh, he's included with, he's included, help me Lord, I, I wrote this in tongues, man, I got to quit scratching like this. And he has included me in it, not the, not the untarnished version. What, what he included was not the part that you see this morning. <laughs> He didn't include the preacher part of me. He included the broken part of me, the jacked up part of me, the anxiety me, the fear me, the failure me. He included all of that into the dance, and he, and he factored all of my weaknesses and all of my mistakes, but yet he still chose me. Church, people get nervous when you start preaching like this because they say, Pastor, you better hold up now. They're going to go do and do what they want to do. See, Paul, when he preached the gospel, he always had to put an exclaimer on it. Listen, y'all don't go run wild now because y'all been free. 
But what I am trying to tell you is when you connect it to the Lord, you truly are free. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Anytime your Christian walk gets difficult, it's because you have shifted out of the kingdom into religion. And religion is all about doing where Christianity is all about being. Are you with me now? So he's included us in. He didn't just invite me in, not the clean part of me, not the preacher part of me. He invited me, the real me, the real you. And the real you is who you are when nobody's watching. Oh, come on now. The real you is when there ain't no eyes on you. You know, it's like when people come over to the house. Everybody's in a panic. I better quit, quit, huh? You get a phone call, hey, we coming over tonight. Go to open the closet the next morning. I mean, I mean, baseballs fall out. I mean, camo, everything else. We throw it all in the closet. Y'all don't do that at y'all's house, I know. Huh? But our house ain't very big, so we ain't got but too many places to throw it. You know what I'm saying? Don't go to my house and be open the closets. You might, we might have to preach a funeral the next day. But he's, in fi- he's invited us into it, okay? You with me? All right. So here, here, here begs the question. Let me ask you this. The Bible says that Adam and Eve was created in the image of God. Now think about it. I told you about, I could go into some depths about me, but let's just scratch all that. But I told you the story about Jack, how Charlie dies. All of us, no one in here has been raised in perfection. The greatest parents you have we still had some faults going up, right? I think I'm a pretty good dad, but Grant could probably rattle off a list of some things that I failed at. You with me? But Adam and Eve had never known failure. They never knew disappointment. They never knew rejection. They never knew anything except for the lavished blessing of a father on their life. Are you with me now? Think about this. Y'all all right? They never knew anything but the lavished blessing of the Father upon their life. That's all they knew. But yet when they sinned, the Scripture says that this Father, Adam heard him coming in the garden. And he runs and hides in the bushes. What caused him to run and hide? I, I, I ask you the questions. Why did Adam, who only knew the Father's lavish blessing, why did he run and hide? Let me ask you this. Did, did Adam's failure in the garden change who the Father was? Did the Father change or did Adam change? Here's where we're getting at something right here. So Adam runs and hides in the garden out of fear. What caused him to be afraid of the father? He had never seen the father go sideways and beat him down. He never saw the father one time say, you don't measure up and pull his belt off and beat him down. He never seen it. He had nothing He had nothing in him to measure the father, but yet after his failure, he hears the father coming and he runs and hides in, in, in absolute fear of, his, of, of the Father. What caused that? 
If God didn't change, listen to me, but let me tell you what religion. In religion, the father is just as fickle as Adam is. One day God's in a good mood. Come on now. One day he's in a good mood and we come in here and we sing and the father just lavishes his presence over us because he's in a good mood. But at other times, he's, he's upset with us because we haven't measured up. Come on now. We ain't, really been, we ain't really been loving our wife as Christ loved the church. I know y'all don't do that. I'm just preaching for those watching by via live stream. You don't lose your temper with Zaxby's down here when they tell you to pull up. That's never happened. You don't lose your temper with an umpire on the field. That's never happened. And sometimes because of our mistakes, the Father is going to let us weed it out for a few days. Saddam runs and hides after the fall. They had no, they had no uh, history of disappointment or hurt. There is no record of divine indifference or neglect. And certainly not of rejection and of abuse. There is only astonishing and lavish blessing. So why would they suspect that the Lord would hurt them? What caused a thought pattern to enter into Adam that God is about to beat him up if he's never had a history with that? See, you and I can go back to that because we didn't, wasn't raised by a great father. My father was a bad alcoholic when I was a little boy. And he would just leave. And we would, we would I remember as a child... I would never disrespect him because I love my father and I know that he loved me, but he had a bad issue when I was a little boy. And it created tremendous fear in me because we didn't know the dad that was going to come home. And my dad was not a jolly drunk. And then when I made it to high school, I remember my father, um, we had a place at the river and, and a lot of us teenagers, we, I had friends that had a place on the river and we would go there. And I remember my buddy saw my dad drunk one time and my buddy said man John your dad's cool as all get out do you think I thought that was cool I was dying on the inside but I didn't know what father was going to come home was he going to be sober or was he going to be drunk and if he was drunk it was not good and I remember as a little boy me and my sisters would run it didn't matter if it was nine o'clock we would run and we would go to we would turn all the lights off like we was asleep that was my life so I would have reason to believe inside my heart if I made a mistake, the Father could come in here and beat us up. But Adam had nothing to compute that with. So what entered in? What I'm trying to get you to see is sin is deeper than a legal offense. Sin didn't just cause a legal disobedience. It corrupted our vision of the Father for eternity. If the vision of the Father was not skewed, the Father would have never came down in the person of Jesus on the earth. Jesus didn't come down here to forgive us of our sin. He come down here to restore our vision of who the Father was. Religion says He come down here to forgive you, but I'm telling you the facts. Jesus came to restore the vision of who the Father really is because it was destroyed in the fall of Adam. So Adam, what he did was project his own failure and his own disillusionment onto the Father and said, that's who you are. So what he did was instead of having a view of the Father, he created this mystical Father, God, in his own life and started projecting that's who he is. Oh. Which is the same way you and I do. 
We don't know if he's going to come through and pay the rent or not. That's not your father. That's that mystical God you have in your own mind. Come on, somebody. I don't know if he's going to heal me or not. That's that mystical God that you're serving in your own mind. That's not who the father is. I don't know if he's going to watch after my kids or not. I don't know if he's able to do that or not. That's your own mystical God. That's not, the, that's not who the true father is. The true father is able to keep everything that I've entrusted unto him. He is 100% for me. And every bad and negative thing that happens in my life, he works it out for my good and favor because he's good. Come on, church. I didn't say God is trying to be good. He is absolutely good. He is not trying to love. He is 100% love. All right. So Adam doesn't get this from, he, he, starts, he starts putting his own thing. How could a human action of any kind change the being of God? How could your actions change who God is? Is the character of God so fickle, so unstable as to be dependent upon us or upon what we do or not do? Come on. But think about it. You have a failure. Man, I don't know how. I, I just got to go. I just got to pull from the own well in my life. I've seen people come to church, do great for three to six months, fall out of the church, and this is the thing. I knew they didn't have it to start with. I never heard nothing like that. I knew they didn't have, if they had the real thing, they would have never messed up. But you know what? I've had the real thing for a long time and I've messed up. I said again, I said, I've had the real thing. Because when I met him, I didn't go down and shake no preacher's hand to give my life to the Lord. I met him, friend, on February the 2nd of 1998. I believe if you pull that up, it was a Monday. There was no church open on Monday. I met him face to face. For three hours in my bedroom, I saw him. But what started distorting that vision of him real quick is when I joined the church. I can't. I'm all for the church. Listen to me. If, if I didn't believe in church, I'd fold my stuff up and go to the house. It's a whole lot easier to work for the phone company than it is to pastor a church. I know what they expect and know what the, what the deal is. You know what I'm saying? Eight to five. But they started distorting my vision of what I saw in my bedroom that night. Are you with me? Because see, in my bedroom, there was no religion. I didn't have no pamphlet. I didn't have no doctrine of what the church believed. I just had an encounter with him. So, so Adam starts, Adam realizes that what changed in the relationship was not God, but Adam. He now projected his own pain onto God. And thereby creating an entirely mythological deity, a figment of his own baggage, standing before this mythical God, Adam, Adam was scared of, he was scared to death. He believed himself to be standing guilty before a divine being was who uh, was just as unstable as he is. Brennan Manning says this, God created man in his own image, then man returned to favor by creating God in his own image. But let me tell you, God is not like us. His ways are so much higher than ours. Come on, somebody. And when we say the word holy, the word holy does not mean in a legal sense. It just means he is other than us. If you sick, he's holy, healed. If you broke, he's holy, rich. 
So from this moment, the father's face got painted. You with me now? Adam, with one brush, began to, began to paint this image of the father because he messed up. So now the father is fickle. He's unstable. All of these things. And his goodness will be misunderstood. You all right? This is why Jesus came, not to forgive us, but to fully reconcile us back to the Father. Don't sell me that deal of the cross is just about the forgiveness of my sin. I'm sorry, I'm upsetting a lot of people, and I get some hate mail, I don't care. Don't sell it short for that, friend. Even Bill Johnson wrote this in his book, When Heaven Invades Earth. How many knows if you go bowling? There is, there's, at the beginning of the bowling uh, ring, there's triangles. How many knows the goal is not to hit the triangle? That's not the ultimate deal. You don't, you don't throw the bowling ball and be like, I hit the third triangle, cat. The goal of the game is to knock all the pins down. But the initial target is to line you up for the final destination. See, the cross was the initial target to line us up for the final destination. The final destination is that the Holy Spirit would be back inside of you and I in full relationship with the Lord. Y'all with me in this place? And the Holy Spirit's job is not to do tricks in church. Oh, let me get right here for a minute. Because, see, I thought the Holy Spirit was in my life so I could say, Shondai, Kondai, see me tie my tie, you tie your tie. E-D-I-E, come on, C-O-C-A, C-O-L-A. That's Coca-Cola, and that's E-D-I-E, is Eddie. When this little boy in church, the lady used to give out a message in tongues, she'd say, she tell a lie, she tell a lie, she tell a lie. Who told the lie? But we thought the Holy Ghost was so that we could come in here and do tricks and fall in the floor and speak in tongues. I'm all for speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues every day of my life. But the Holy Spirit is in you to reveal the righteousness of the Father in your life. He... Let's move on. Okay, all right. So, Jesus not only forgive us, but to fully reconcile us back to the Father. Sin is far deeper than a legal matter. If it was only a legal violation, God could arrange the legal sacrifice to cover our sins, and it would all be well, which is what most people down in the South see. Sin was a legal violation. You and I were guilty, so he had to get us unguilty, so Jesus came to the cross to die for us to forgive us. But it doesn't deal with the fact even that is so cheap within itself because it doesn't deal with my disillusionment and it doesn't change the lenses of how I see the father. So here's this interview going on. This guy loses his daughter. His daughter was murdered. And they found the guy. They convicted him and sentenced him to death. And the interviewer came to the father and interviewed the father and said, Do you feel like justice is served? He looked at them and said, the justice will never be, uh, would never be served until I am back restored in the relationship that I had with my daughter. So let me ask you something. Do you think the father would rest just because Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished, and that the fact that we were forgiven, no, he did not rest at that. He will not rest till you and I are fully reconciled back to him. The way we seem for how he truly is is good. All right. 
What kind of forgiving God would be ha with, with, with having the guilty legal clean yet was we still trapped in our wrongheadedness? Anxiety that cannot, we cannot possibly receive his forgiveness and live in his joy. I mean, you forgive him, but you, you ain't got no life. You're on Prozac. Come on now. I won't tell where we live. We got to have three liquor drinks at night just to lay down. People used to come out and say, I just can't sleep. What you mean you can't sleep? You work all day, you'll go to sleep. But I found myself in seasons where I could not sleep, where I lay and watched the clock tick. Come on now, I'm just telling you where I've lived. Now, I ain't talking about 10 years ago, I'm talking about in the last 12 months, where I was afraid to lay my eyes to sleep at night because I didn't believe I would wake up the next morning. Anybody ever found themselves there? See, what happens is tragedy happens to all of us, y'all. I don't understand that. Why? People say, well, you know, I don't understand why, why that happened to them. They were such good people. It rains on the just and the unjust. And it seemed like folks that live like hell is the one that live. I mean, like, I, I had this guy who was like 80-something years old. He said, I smoked every day, drank good whiskey, and had good women. And yet, people that try to maintain the health... Die of a heart attack in the 40s. What? The deal is, is you and I live in a fallen world. And we must establish this, that bad things are going to happen to good people. Bad things happen to all of us in this room. But here's where we have to be careful right here. We cannot allow what we go through to, to define who God is. I love the scripture out of, out of uh, when the three Hebrew boys was thrown into the fire. The scripture says that they came out of the fire and the smell of smoke was not upon them. So many people get into the fire and they live in the smell of smoke years after the fire happened. They go, to, they go through a bad divorce and five years later the smell of smoke is still on their life. They lose a relationship and the, and the smell of smoke is still on their life. So the deal is, is we have to invite the Father into that pain. I'm not doing it justice here, Zay. But I have to invite Him, be willing to surrender to Him enough and trust Him enough to invite Him into the pain. Because what He wants is the pain and He wants to bring healing to it. That's why I told you the whole deal about the shack. Why did McKenzie get a letter in the mailbox in the book, The Shack, and it said, meet me at the shack? When he did meet at the shack, he said, why did you bring me back here? Because the father said, Papa said, this is where it all got messed up. And so the father wants to take us all the way back to where it got messed up. Where did it get messed up? Where did, the, where did you start seeing me through the eyes of Adam instead of seeing me through the eyes of Jesus? When we lost my brother-in-law, it was one of the most painful experiences I've ever been in. I can't explain it, but to me it was more painful than losing my own father. I don't know if I lost my father when I was in my 20s. I don't know if it because I was in my 40s or whatever, but when you start getting in your, your mid-40s, you realize that you are not immortal, but you are mortal. That's why I so value, like Danny and Steve, people that have navigated voyages that are a little bit further than you are. When it comes to raising kids, you raise a teenager. How many knows you're when you get a teenager, it seems like the, something hijacks the computer software. You can, can, I can control Asher. He's 10 years old. But listen to this. When Mackenzie asked the father... Asked Papa in the book, The Shack, 
said, you knew I would come, and I was afraid not to come. Notice the response of Papa back to Mackenzie. said, you're free to walk out the door because prisoners are not what I'm after. I'm after sons and daughters. See, see, he never takes away my choice. I can choose to live in my disillusionment and, and to see him through Adam's eyes, or I can make a choice to invite him in for him to heal that pain and clear my vision up to who he is. Because in my pain, I can only see my pain and I lose sight of who he is. I don't understand this. I don't understand why I got to travel through this sickness. I know one thing that I will not let it define who he is. It will not define me. God is bigger than this and I will trust him to handle it in his own time. So when we lost my brother-in-law, I stood in that emergency room. My brother-in-law laying back there with a plunger thing hanging at me. 49 years old and he's gone. I reminded my sister of hope and that even though I felt hopeless as all get out. But I, I, I had to make a final word because I was not going to let the enemy have some loud voice that would be penetrating in the days of head. I drowned it out with this. We trust you, Father, in this right here. Even though we don't understand, I don't have an answer for it, but I 100% trust you and you are 100% good and you will bring restoration to this. So... I'm almost done. I'm getting there. So, what kind? All right. The Father will never be satisfied, listen to this, with mere forgiveness or legal reconciliation. He's not satisfied with that. What does it matter that you've been forgiven, but you're still broken and jacked up? You're still living in pain. He's not satisfied with that. What He is satisfied is that you become whole. Because he is whole. All right, the Father will not rest until his forgiveness has cut into the pain, until his forgiveness is known in our darkness, received and believed, and issues forth the restoration of fellowship with him. So, Back to the shack one more time. If you haven't seen, just go watch the movie. The movie, the movie almost made me bad because, mad because it does not the it does not do it justice the way the book does. I guess I like playing it out in my own mind. Why did you bring me back to the shack? Because this is where you got this is where you got this is where things got messed up. Well, I was afraid not to come. You can get out of here right now because I'm not looking for a prisoner. So he goes through these encounters. In the, in, the, in the shack, right? He meets Jesus. And he said, out of all of them, out of all of them, I'm more comfortable with you. He said, that's because I'm human. Y'all, come on. I, I know I'm throwing a lot on you here, but you, you with me now. We, we fish and go eat. See, Jesus came down. He was flesh and dwelt among us. He knows every bit of disappointment. He knows what it's like to be rejected. Come on, y'all. He pulled all of that and wore the lens of that disillusionment that Adam had. See, in the garden, religion tells you that he was, he was praying, let this cup pass. I don't want to go to the cross. He was destined to go to the cross, and he knew he was going to the cross. That ain't the cup he was saying pass. What he was saying is, I do not want this edemic nature no longer. Let it pass. But nevertheless, your will be done. 
So Adam makes one last cry from the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus immediately says, but into your hands I commit my spirit. I trust you in this. Come on now. The scripture said he could have called 10,000 legions of angels to come in any moment to save him. But yet he, he rested in abandonment, in, in, in full out trust that his father was going to work it all out. And I love this part in the movie. Because Mackenzie tries to put on Papa that he deserted Jesus on the cross. What religion has told us that father turned his face, turned his back on him. And I love this part in the movie. I'm just messing with you anyhow. You, maybe you go dig your own self. Don't take it from me. Go dig in your own word. You, don't, you shouldn't have a life with God through me anyhow. If that's the case with the Catholic Church. Come on, somebody. We're not here to fence you in. I'm telling you the fences just got a whole lot wider than what I thought they were. I'm just trying to live. Because when we entered into, man, in 2020, you think this from anything, from a business standpoint. Pastor, I was talking with a pastor Friday. Run 500 every Sunday. Build a new building during COVID that'll set almost 1,200 people. Can you imagine that? Do you imagine the debt that they just took on? They're running about 125. People's gone. Well, you can say what? They, pe people's not afraid of the virus because they're gathering left and right. Come on now. You've you been out in public. What the live stream has done is produce convenience in the church. Oh, let me quit right there. It's convenient. Now, I'm also not going to be religious that you got to be here when the doors are open. I'm not saying that. I thank God for the live stream to be able to be connected. You with me? But what I am saying for leaders and people from all over, anxiety is at a high like we've never seen it. I got a call on Friday. His ordination papers are in that office. A guy that was ordained a year after I was hung himself last week. There's stuff going on on the earth. And that voice of Adam is loud and clear in the earth trying to paint the father of this jacked up view who he is. So the father says, let me finish this up. So Papa tells Mackenzie, you got it all wrong. You don't understand the mystery. And there Papa was standing there. And Papa turned and said like this. And you saw the nail in Papa's hands also. We were there. Oh, they were there the whole time, church. They were there at the creation, in the beginning. Come on, somebody. When God created the heavens and the earth. John peers in deeper than that. John, in his gospel, writes in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Y'all, I ain't got, I, this is side note, right? Well, what made, what made that human body so powerful on the earth that it could eradicate disease? And disease not affect it. If Jesus became human, what, what, what power when he, why, if he was human, I know he was God, but he gave up, Philippians says he gave up all of that and became a man. Is that right? We're in the book, Philippians chapter 2. What made him have the power if he gave it up and he wasn't God, but he was man on the earth? What gave him power to touch the leprosy and the leprosy didn't affect him? Because he was the word wrapped up in the body. And no sin, no disease ever has authority over the Word. 
Come on, y'all up in here. That's why when we pray for folk, we got to quit looking for goosebumps like babies in diapers. Come on, somebody. God ain't healing them because of what we feel. He heals them because of the written word. And so when Jesus battled the devil, he said it is written, and that's how you and I do warfare today. It is written. All right, so we got to get, we got to close this thing. I'm getting hungry myself. All right. All right. Reconciliation is not about Jesus suffering punishment so that the invisible, faceless, and nameless God up there somewhere can forgive us. Reconciliation began when the father saw that his children could not see his heart. When the son realized that we could not receive his father's love. And when the spirit saw the joy of fellowship with the father vanished from our eyes. Reconciliation is about the spirit bridging the horrible gap between the father's heart and our blindness. You with me? The revelation of the father to us, irrespective of how, listen to this. The, the revelation of the Father to us, irrespective of how powerful and clear and inherent it is from His side, it is always perceived through our mental baggage. Come on. Man, I just want to stop right here and preach for, the, for about two hours on this. Something just popped in my head. I've spent half of my Christian life trying to live in revival. Just, just bring revival. I will not spend another year of my life trying to be in revival when a living flame exists every day for fellowship with me. I'm telling you, I'm on a course change. See, I was, uh, look at the condition we are in the church right here. Let's just be honest as a deal. Let's look at the prophetic movement. Let's look at the worship movement. I'm out here on some big boy stuff. It don't matter. The prophetic, the prophetic movement has totally missed it. I'm going to say this right here. Let, let's, let's get mad with me if you will. Keep reading. You, you keep going on YouTube and everything else. Where's the movement become, become accountable? Trump winning by a landslide. It didn't happen. COVID going to be gone by Passover. Didn't happen. Do I believe in the prophets? Absolutely. But it is, it is hermeneutically and theologically incorrect to say that 2020 is going to be First Chronicles 2020 when they moved in divine revelation. God spoke to them by divine revelation. In the New Testament, we perceive through the Spirit. That is why you and I judge the prophets in the New Testament. The prophecy had to judge the prophet in the Old Testament, and if it didn't come to pass, he was stoned. Yet we have prophetic leaders that apologize and said we didn't miss it. Then the church ate them because they apologized and said they wasn't true prophets if they had to apologize. But let me tell you what I do think happened. I'm, I'm, I'm out there, and this, this, I'm going to get judged. This is fine, okay? I'm a big boy and I can handle it. I'm trying to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. But I am trying to bring correction to something. Because we have never seen a day, and if we go back four decades, we only had a few national voices that had the attention of the church. Billy Graham, 
Dr. Hagen, Oral Roberts. Now, in today's world, you set up a GoPro in your bedroom and you are you are a national preacher. Telling me what God is saying. God is saying this in one camp. He's saying this in another camp. And we better figure out right quick like in America that God didn't die for America. He died for the world. And if you ever looked at the world, America is a small slice. I understand the, I understand the destiny over this nation. I've, I've read Peter Marshall's book, The Light and the Glory. I understand all of that. Don't take me, don't cut me where I'm not going either with this. I'm trying to bring correction to something. But if you prophesy something continually and we don't see no fruit, some father should be in your life to bring correction to you. I sent this out. The most dangerous weapon in the hands of our enemy is an anointed leader with no accountability. And you sitting there been walking with God three years and you're going to set a GoPro up and tell me what God's saying. What you need to do is sit down and let someone teach you and disciple you and get some wisdom under you and get some history with God before you tell me what God is saying. So what happened, why, why did this happen? What, because today's currency, today, the, see, the new tithe is not how much money comes in the offering plate. Mm. Matt, go crank the truck up. You know I got plenty of armor in there too now. Don't nobody try me now. No, I'm cutting up with you. <laughs> huh? Today's currency is not the tithe. Today's currency is social media likes and how many views I can get on YouTube. So everybody was wanting Trump, including myself, to go into the White House. I'm not Democrat or Republican. There's wickedness in both sides. Hello. But what Trump did was expose a ton of things. He, he exposed how wicked the government is and he exposed how one-sided the church is. Oh, my God. I'm getting some stuff right now. So then we get into all these, all this underground stuff coming off the dark web that the church starts embracing and peddling. Why well, set up one night? Watch this dude's hunkered down in his house down in Florida. God, I can't even know if I'm gonna let this out. That such and such, none of it never happened. It never happened. Do do I believe that there's wickedness in the government? Absolutely. Do I believe that uh, child trafficking is a major issue in this nation? Absolutely. But there's Republicans and Democrats doing it. I don't know why I'm on this right here today. Look, the worship movement. We can't, we can't even get our own song in the church anymore because now Bethel and Upper Room has set the standard for the church. The best thing that we could do here in this church is cut off all your YouTube videos of what you think worship is and find out worship between you and the Lord in your own personal time. Then we'll see an explosion up in Him. Because I sent this out, little love will always produce little worship. That doesn't define worship. Upper room does not define worship. I love them. I had them on in my house yesterday. I was watching Bethel and Mike, but it doesn't define worship. Jeremy Riddle said this in his book, Reset. 
Never has the worship movement been larger than it is today, but it has never been less pure in the history than it is today. Let's say this. You well-traveled, played in every state except for two, and in six countries. Was in a was going for a church plant. We won't call the name, but it is well known. You play their music, and it's all up on your YouTube's. Out of fifty, what thirty people in a room, all paid musicians. Only two people was even knew the Lord. But that was going to be the standard set to lead worship in the church, because it's not about worship; it's about perfection, and it's about the currency. How many likes we can get on YouTube? What does it matter if I've got? 5,000 likes on YouTube but I can't even live it in my own community or in my own house I don't know why I got off on all that but God bless you that was free I'm not charging for none of that I'm just telling you there's a purity got to come back to the prophetic movement don't tell me to prophesy to me something besides politics Don't get up there and give by five riddles and then six months after it happened, we can kind of break this down and maybe God was saying this about COVID in it. That is not what happened. That is not what I read in my Bible or in the New Testament. And I'm telling you, I believe there is a prophetic movement, Danny, coming that can say, thus saith God, this is it. That's why when I prophesy, I don't hardly, I try to never say, I get nervous when I say, thus saith God. I will say, I feel like, I, I perceive this. I'm letting you know that I'm a, I'm a messed up individual and I can miss it. But how many people, have you, have you done this? Go study this. Statistically, how many people has left the church in the last 15 months because of the prophetic movement of nothing happening? Every time that happens, the confidence goes down. We y'all get mad. I know. I know. I got some folk mad with me. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of mad myself. I don't know why I got on that tangent, Catherine. I'm sorry. I do still love you, and I love the Lord, and I don't have it figured out. You with me? But I am through looking across YouTube for some model to get. Did you hear? I'm, I just got to say this now. I'm through looking at the big time machine and figure out how I can reproduce it in Sparks, Georgia. God called me here in this community with this people in this time and this hour for what he's saying to this region. And I don't have to get it off of YouTube. My God, I feel the Lord in this place. All right. Man, I don't know. I'm telling you. I went to play golf. I picked back up golf. I'm horrible. But I told Zach, I said, I don't even know if I can get out of the truck. He said, what you listening to? I wasn't listening to nothing but just the voice of my father. He had me so messed up just because he was talking to me. I'm just telling you, church, this is why we can't make no progress. We're running off to a conference trying to get what he... I love Bill Johnson. I have the utmost respect for Bill Johnson. He is... I mean, but I'm telling you. But let me tell you what this has done. I've got to finish this up. Jesus is the plumb line, not Bill Johnson. Jesus is the plumb line, not Andrew Womack. Jesus is the plumb line, not Kansas City IHOP. 
So what we've done is we've lost all the building materials by trying to copy everything that is seemingly success because success is how many people you get in the room and how many YouTube reviews you get. Let me tell you what real success is. Real success is the one person that gets off the anxiety medication because they got a revelation of how good Father is. Real success can't be measured by that internet data. I'm telling you right now, I gotta quit. I gotta quit right here. The revelation of the Father to us, it don't matter how great it is, it gotta go through our own baggage. Jesus died not to become human just to reveal the Father to us, but he actually stepped into Adam's skin and put on Adam's fallen eyes and he received the revelation of the Father for us oh that's good he didn't he didn't go to the cross just to reveal the father he came and stepped down into Adam's condition and put on Adam's glasses and he received through that baggage the revelation of the father to us so he can impart it to you I'm done right here Zach come right here he's gonna play the guitar Caesar you come he mind he, he gonna touch the drums behind you right there you mind come playing right there Jesse, get on your bass right there. Is he even here? He, where's he at? He, left, he done gone. He couldn't, he couldn't tarry with us for an hour. Y'all pray with him. Pray for him, Steve. He can't even tarry with us for an hour in the garden. No. <laughs> He's going to kill him for I want to pray. I understand we got the whole COVID deal, everybody, whatever, whatever else. As far as I know, I don't got it. But I do feel like we should pray today. Stan asked us to pray for him. Got in a wreck, had some seizures, took his drive. They trying to take his drive, everything from him. We're going to pray and believe God's absolute divine healing over his body today. Y'all agree with that? Please, I'm not mad with no prophetic. I, I still got all my prophetic books. I haven't thrown none of them away. Don't take me where I'm not going. I'm just saying a plumb line's got to come back to some areas. You with me now? Hear me? I hate the direction our country's going in. I don't care what political party you're with. I will always defend the gospel. And if it offends you, then so be it. But I'm here not to be, I'm, I'm, I'm a theocrat. I'm here to preach what the word says. But I can tell you this, I'm done with trusting that God's going to raise up a good Republican to get us out of this mess. Makes me sick. If we, Danny said he don't mind putting crazy people in the White House. It causes people to get scared. Want to put put all their money in somewhere? He can make plenty of money. <laughs> so he's going. I'm trying to get my life to where I just want to trust him. I'm trying to get some excitement restored back into my life. I remember in 2013 when I pulled up here how excited I was. God, I had won the lottery. I got the legend cornerstone. God never showed me any bears that was in the future. And boy, we fought the lion and the bear and got so exhausted from fighting that we almost wanted to give up the towel. God showed me in the first 
year gave me two prophetic dreams and I've yet to walk out the second one. But Steve said to his son, he said the tool's in your hand to build and if you get upset this time, it's cause you did it. But I wanna be accountable. I wanna trust the people God's got around me cause sometimes I don't read the tape right. And Cleve, I've always pulled it back out and says, is this really what it says? I want to tell you today, if I can leave you with anything, the Father's 100% passion towards you. He's in love with you. He sees every pain and every hurt. And all he wants to do is to come right there and say, hey, let's go back to where it all got messed up. Quit looking at me through Adam's eyes. See me through Jesus' eyes. I love Song of Solomon where she said, don't look at me from dark. My brothers make me work all day. But he said, you are lovely. Stand up right here. I want to pray for you. Stand if you will. Come down here. I want you to lift your hands right here. Come on, Zach. Begin to sing that. What, 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 just like what we're doing in the cabin. Danny, you come up here. Give me some patriarchs right. Larry, Mr. Allen. Will you stretch your hands towards him? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you never left him never left him, not for a moment. Not for a moment. You've always been there. Lord, you got him in this. You got him, Lord. We trust you. Holy Spirit, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, I want you to raise your hand. Pray this prayer. Say, Lord, fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Help me to see the way you see. Father, I pray you would dispel every shadow in this room. Father, I pray you would dispel every shadow in this room. Father, we would leave this place knowing we are loved. We are cherished. We are secure. We are assured that you are with us. You are for me, Lord. You are for me. You're for me. One truth that I've been looking back over the life of Jesus and I see this. 
He always shares before he ever releases a command. He let the disciples belong before they ever believed. I was reading back through Thomas's account where Thomas didn't believe and the scripture says that they were all together locked. It says that the doors was locked and Jesus appeared to them. And I just said this prayer. I said, Father, every door, every door that I got locked in my heart, I pray that you would just walk right through it and stand inside of it. He so wants to get in church. Father, I bless this people today. I bless your people today, Lord. I never take it lightly to ever stand here. Father, I bless your people today. I pray the abundant blessing over their lives. I pray, Father, throughout this week they would find joy. The Holy God, the joy, the Holy Spirit is joy, peace, and righteousness. The kingdom of God is joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. I pray, fill them with your peace, God. Fill them with your joy, Lord. Let us live in peace. We don't want to live with some mystical view of who you are in our heart, that you're some distant father. But, Lord, we want to live in the dance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lord. Friend, you're highly cherished. You're highly loved. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you and your family. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hey, man, give God a great God bless you. Come on, bless him. I'll see you on the live stream Wednesday and see you here Sunday morning. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.